Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Hey, why not share the podcast? Uh, we're going to keep recording these things all off season as much as possible. You know, not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but we're still we're still giving it a run. So we're giving an effort to keep recording when there's no live college football. So, hey, you, the listener... Maybe you could try a little bit, too, and find us a new listener or two. Oh, there's a good one. I like that. Yeah? Put it back on them, baby. <laughs> I tell you what, some of the uh, most effective managers I've had in life, they're experts at that. Delegating. They just put it it's right a skill. back on you or somebody else. Delegating's a skill, man. <laughs> All right, so the th- this is another one of our team podcasts. Uh, this one will have a little bit of a theme to it. Uh, this will be the Champions Podcast, which means we're going to talk about the Northwestern Wildcats and the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. We'll get to that a little bit. So obviously there's champions involved with that. But before we get there, we've got a few housekeeping items. Housekeeping! No, thank you. Sleeping. Number of housekeeping items. First one, I don't know, maybe I should say this for last, but happy birthday. Not to you, not to me, but to the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, Big, we, Big we Ten. Kind of, well, go ahead. Well, we kind of, I, I suppose we could have brought it up on the last pod that it was upcoming yeah, or whatever. But, I get, yeah. So, yeah, it was b- between last pod and this. February 8th, 1896 is when the Big Ten was formally you know, brought together as a group. It was called like... I can never remember what it was initially called, like Intercollegiate Athletics Association of some, it was some weird name. Then it became the Western Conference, then Big Ten. So Feb 8, 1896, formed in Chicago at the Palmer House Hotel, famous Palmer House, now defunct as of like a week ago. I guess Palmer House. Officially. I, I guess so. That's what I saw That's on the Twitters. Bad. Shame, because it's an icon, Chicago icon. Palmer is the name of the guy that built the hotel, but he's also instrumental in the first, the building of the first skyscrapers, which occurred in Chicago. Like it, he was one of the original architects of the first skyscrapers. Wow. The father of the skyscraper, perhaps. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So All a right. lot of history there. All right. But happy birthday to the Big Ten Conference. Yeah. Yeah. 1896. Doesn't, look, doesn't look a day over 100, does I it? Don't, I don't think so either. Yeah. 125, uh, though. Although over the entire, you know, uh, time frame of the Big Ten. I wouldn't call right now the highest point eh. of the history of the Big Ten Conference. No, but, no. You know, it was a tough year. Issues and, yeah. Okay. Okay. Couple little coaching changes here. This one's interesting. So Michigan hires IU running back coach Mike Hart as their running back coach. Of course, Mike Hart played at Michigan. Four-year start at Michigan. One of the all-time greats back there. So it's kind of a big loss for Indiana, you would think, because he was. By the way. Amazing recruiter. Amazing. This guy, one of the best in the Big Ten. So I imagine him to absolutely crush it at Michigan recruiting. But then IU comes back and hires Dylan McCullough from the Kansas City Chiefs. That was just in the Super Bowl. He was the, the Chiefs running backs coach. And he's replacing Mike Hart as running backs coach. He had been at IU as running back coach from 2011 to 16. He's also going to be the associate head coach, though. And so he's coached Tevin Coleman, Jordan Howard, Stephen Houston, Divine Redding. Even Ronald Jones from USC, he was there at USC and coached wow. him. So he some good names behind him. So couple couple good running backs in, in Kansas City, he got a chance to coach too. So. Absolutely, but you know if you're losing coaches to some of the blue blood programs, you're doing something right. But you know it's not a big deal as long as you come back and fill it in with another great coach. And I think they did that. Yeah, I mean, what's the more impressive hire for both Michigan and Indiana? There, I mean, honestly, it's tough to say. Michigan getting heart is huge. It's it's yeah. In I think I'd put something on Twitter, or whatever. But like he was always one of my favorite Michigan dudes. Yeah, I, I agree. Mean, he, he just seems like ultra com- competitor, but yes. like I don't know, good dude. He just seems like somebody. Probably a reason why he's such a good recruiter. Well, and also he he's not your prototype blue blood running back, right? He's you know kind of kind of slight build, but. And he wasn't the most talented guy, but he just got it done all the time. That's a really good point. And maybe that's what Michigan needs. So I I know that they are a blue blood, so a lot of people maybe not give a lot of credit for Michigan bringing them in, but it's still huge to bring them in. But then on the other side, to have a backfill at the quality that Tommy was able to pull off, 
It's incredible. I mean, what he he must be an engaging dude. Yes. People seem to like working for him would be the, my guess. Like working for him, like playing for him. I think he's doing the right things. So I think everybody wins here. It is a rare win-win situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's all I got, really. Um, I mean, Iowa lost uh, offensive line coach Tim Polasek moving on from. I'm sorry, I do I do have that. Go, okay. go ahead. Yeah, Tim Polasek, four years in Iowa City, moving on to be the offensive coordinator uh, at Wyoming under Craig Bull, who he's you know basically been with uh, at you know off and on for quite some time. So. Um, I mean, I, I feel like becoming an offensive coordinator, like he was an offensive coordinator at NDSU. I think it's a step up to be the offensive line coach at Iowa. I would call it, I don't know. Like you tell me like a lateral move. It's probably pretty lateral. OC coordinator at a group of five after being an O-line coach. I would say so. Okay. But it's pretty lateral. Yeah. But the, but, but then maybe as far as career trajectory, maybe a step up. Yeah, maybe. I think so. I, I, that's why I was like, I was surprised to see people were surprised that he would take this job. Um, You know, the, uh, very proud Iowa fan side of me is believes being the offensive line coach at Iowa is a pretty prestigious position, but you're not calling plays. Right. And and I think that's a big deal. Um, now, one thing this is, we don't have to go deep into this, but I wonder if being the offensive line coach at Iowa under Kirk Ferentz is kind of like being the head coach at Wisconsin under Barry Alvarez, where it's kind of like, we've got a way we're going to sure. do this. So you're going to have to come in. We'll give you, you know, your own individuality on a couple things. Don't get me wrong, but there's a mold that you're going to have to try to fit into. Is that fair? Absolutely. I mean, my first thought was, oh, wow, Iowa loses their offensive line coach. That, you know, probably isn't going to happen to them. But then I'm like, does it really matter? And I like, feel like who, that's whoever they plug in there, they're going to do it the Ferentz way. I mean, Ferentz is probably. I think you'd say probably the best offensive line mind in the Big Ten. Is that fair? I, I would like to see that he's definitely up there. Um, what I would like to see out of this position or the the person that fills this position, excuse me, I'd like to have a high recruiting acumen out mm. of this person. Okay. So I I feel like that's there's an there's a step up that could happen there. So really, yeah, with all the talent that they've put out recently, but. Who recruits that talent into the offensive line, and then who coaches it? Sometimes it's two different things. Okay, fair. I see. I see. So very, they're very strict on their regions. Understood. Speaking speaking of regions, and I'm looking at Kurt's list. He didn't say this. I'm adding this myself. Beetle, aka Brett Bielma. Beat is beat. You're beat. I'm going with beat. That's fine. Beetle is is again making waves in the state of Illinois with the Illinois coaches um, such a good job is he doing that even the cold dead heart of the podcast partner across the desk from me, you're seeing things in a little bit different light, aren't you? Oh yeah. I mean, it's just refreshing to see so much effort put into the state. Well, put into recruiting in general and, and a sense of urgency in recruiting. Like he, he offered a guy a couple weeks ago and the guy committed seven days later, like that never happened in the Lovey Smith era, like it just took months and dragged on and on. Is this guy ever going to commit? So it's nice to see that. But he, him and the staff made a commitment. They were going to call the head coach of every single high school in the state of Illinois. And he announced it on Twitter. And so they started doing it. And I, I'm sure this is part of the conversation. Like, hey, if you, you know, if you want to support the University of Illinois, do you mind tweeting out that, that we called? Because, I mean, coach after coach after coach is tweeting, hey, I just got a call from University of Illinois. This doesn't happen very often refreshing, really cheering for, for beat. So I just, I'm loving it. Yes. Um, I mean, I remember you saying something to me. I can't remember what we talk about anymore. It's either on the podcast or just when we're talking to each other, but you had mentioned something on the lines of, Oh, you know, the, the interest in the Illinois football program with the coaches and players in the state of Illinois is dead. It's non-existent. Yeah. I don't doubt that was the case. Isn't it crazy, though, how one different leader with a different voice, how big of a difference he can make? And the weird. Yeah, it is amazing. And we'll see how long it lasts, I guess, because, you know, coaches come in and they say, we're going to recruit the state and they try to and they fail after the first couple of years. Maybe they they do okay at first and then that 
maybe peters out. So we'll see how it goes. But like even Lovey, his first year, recruited the state very well. I mean, if, if I look back at his first class, it was pretty impressive. But then after that, non-existent. So let's just hope this is not, you know, something on the surface. Let's hope a little deeper than that. Honeymoon phase, obviously. Sure. Yes. Um, I'm you definitely. Don't win a, you don't win enough games by your third and fourth year. Recruits start to turn away. We're not. We're Correct. not talking about anything, you know, that hasn't been talked about a thousand times. Yeah, but but Beat st- hasn't lost a game yet. That's right. Love he him. is undefeated as the Illinois undefeated. coach. That's a fact. Yeah. All right. So we will move on to the Super Bowl. So really quick, I'm going to go over the uh, Big Ten players that got Super Bowl rings. Um, 15 of them. Now, some of these are a little bit practice squatty or, you know, didn't sure. exactly maybe play in the game itself. But, hey, you're on the roster. You're getting a Super Bowl ring. So I don't know if you heard of this first guy, Tom Brady. Mm. quarterback Michigan uh Drew Stanton Michigan State is on. oh I did not know that he's he's on he's yeah, a backup he's listed in the on the depth chart oh okay he's on, gotcha. the, he's on the roster wow that's a blast from the past right that's yeah, way back I did honestly didn't didn't know that till I looked down the roster I hope I didn't forget anybody uh pair of wide receivers that had a lot to do Chris Godwin Penn State I mean yeah. he had a good year for the Bucks. Tyler Johnson definitely shown sure in spots this year uh Tyler Johnson definitely better than what certain uh pro prospect you know people i haven't noticed any off the field issues either strangely i think minnesota fans know what we're talking i you know i did understand him getting challenged with some of his athletic abilities yeah stuff like sure that. he doesn't jump but, off, but the out off the you. field stuff i never understood it. i'd never heard a single thing I've never, ne- a never peep, peep about him off the field uh saying in the offense center aq shipley penn state um offensive tackle donovan smith that's a name most people know okay penn state Rookie right tackle, Tristan Wirfs. Mm-hmm. I will talk a little bit more on him. Switching over to the defense, uh, another another Sparty, William Golston. Yeah. Name that I think most Big Ten fans know. They have him listed as a linebacker, but, you know, it's a 3-4. Anthony Nelson at Iowa, extremely tall guy. Defensive tackle, Khalil Davis. Nebraska got himself a ring. And Damakin Sue. Gosh. He's been around forever. That guy's still going. Yeah. And still he was he's deal. still productive, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to come off sounding too harsh. He was so good in college that I thought he would be better as a pro. But with that being said, he's just been this good for a decade. I mean, he's been good for 10 years. Yeah, and I feel like he I feel like he was, though, for a while that good. Okay. And, it, you know, he's not that good. I mean, what but is I, it? He's got to be 34, 35? A, yeah, I mean, he's right there. Yeah. There, there's... There's a compliment in there that I'm trying to give because, like, again, he was so good sure. in college that maybe I just had. I mean, he was like generationally good generationally on the good. defensive side of the ball. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, linebackers got a pair of linebackers. Uh, Jack Sitchie from Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Again, getting a ring. Linebacker Levante David, who Boy, we'll talk about a that, little bit. That more guy. Here. What is what a he had a good game. He had a great season. Hey, hold on, hold on. Safety Anton Winfield Jr. Ah, again, yes. we're going to talk a little bit more in him and. This is really pushing it, but I believe he counts. Uh, linebacker Matt Weil. I can be honest with you, I did not, I did not recognize his name. He's Matt from, w-, w E I L W I L E. Oh, no yeah. idea. Uh, from Michigan, so oh. I think they're all getting rings. That's fifteen. So um, I just like to point out, last year Nick Allegretti got one from. Okay, Illinois. yeah, just wanted to throw that out. There, <laughs> there, there was one. Okay, so um, we already kind of talked about Dominican Sue, Levante David. It's kind of weird because he's also been crushing it in mm. the, in the NFL for about a decade. Um, you talk to Nebraska fans; he's one of their favorite football players of all time. That's not one of the you know legends that won national championships or whatever. I feel like he's just gotten more props in the last year or so. It does feel like it, doesn't it? But he's been that good since he got in the league. Has he? I I don't watch the NFL close enough. He's he's an absolute stud. I, I agree. I mean, watching him this year, I he, for sure. I think the stat I heard was he finished like third in career tackles at Nebraska and he mm. only played like two years. Really? He was that productive. Boy. I mean, in the underrated players of the last decade, he's definitely on that team. He's that good. Yeah. He just should get – I mean, he still hasn't gone to a Pro Bowl. No kidding. Isn't that dumb? That's amazing. I feel like that dude could have – he could play in a 3-4. He could play yeah. in a 4-3. I think he could. Yeah. He could play in the year 2020. He could play in 1985. 
he's that dude. Yeah, he could play in like the Buckus era. I, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Undersized, but come on. Um, Antoine or Tristan Wirfs, next one up. Um, so I just recently got, so this is my, after football ends, I'm, I'm a football junkie. I'm a 20, I'm 24, seven, 365 day. I love the sport. So then I started playing Madden on at nights and weekends, whenever I can fit it in after the kids are asleep. So they still do a Madden every year. Like a they do a Madden 2021 Madden. Yep. Okay. It's from the, it's, you know, it's, it's just another subsect of Twitter. Like people that hate EA sports. They just, you know, like little dweeby nerd. I'm sorry, but like, and I know I play video games. So then from your point of view, everybody's a nerd, but then there's like a section below people like me like i don't consider myself a gamer so what like, ea's uncool is it considered ea is very uncool like, like it's too mainstream like if you like ea you're a boomer if you don't <laughs> if you don't like ea okay. you're i got that's, you that's how I got it goes you. but um, what I, like but my whole point is like what are they supposed to do with the game like it's still the same game of football there, there's only so many nuances and different things you can do with the game at some point. You so know? they're just so saying that it's it's not, the same game. It's the same. Well, yeah, of course it's the same game. It pretty I much, mean, is. they're trying to make it as much like NFL football as possible. Right. So it's just yeah. There's little things that they do that are fun, and I'm not saying there's a couple things here and there that don't drive you nuts. There are, but of, of all things considered, it's cool. It's a it's a good game. My whole thing is like I kind of like playing the game, but it's all about the trades and uh building the roster so that that does interest me. oh it's it's like a sim i mean once you get it up and going i don't hardly play any games I just okay what about this yeah. can you can you kind of sim a game where you're you're actually going through the game you're calling the plays but you don't actually run the yes. play i mean we won't go in depth there but everything you just talked about for see now that option, i think i would do yeah, i'll have to i'll have to show you sometime i might but. get one of these what is it is it xbox or ps whatever xbox or playstation i'm a playstation both guy. of them have the both ea them, but you really don't have not don't have i haven't picked up a controller since college like Nintendo? no since college okay. so it was sega okay and i was like this is too complicated okay it's it's, okay. it's already above my head okay I, i'm not um, playing ever again and that's funny because you're you're close to the same age as my middle brother he's just like you um, he was hooked on on Nintendo. Oh, NES. I loved Nintendo. Okay, so he was just like you. He loved Nintendo, but then once it got up to that next level, he's like, "This is too much." For well, me. yeah, I think there was like a Super Nintendo, wasn't there? After the yeah, NES, Super yeah, that I checked out at that I point. Didn't even, like Super now Nintendo. that I think about but it, but it's funny because my middle brother's four years older than me, and my uh, other brother's eight years older than me. So the brother that's four years old me caught a little bit of video games, but then checked out. The brother eight years older than me never touched a video game other than maybe Atari. You know, wow. It's just it's funny with video games. Like there's a you know line of demarcation there. Anyways, that's way more than I meant to talk on that. But what I was going to say is you get the initial roster that um, EA does where they rate all the players. Yeah, sure. And they rate all the rookies. A fun another fun reason that you don't even pick up until the season's already done, they update the entire roster top to bottom on currently how good the players are. Okay. So like somebody that you didn't know was very good as a rookie has a good rookie year. They, they pop up their rating. Sure. Okay. So like 99 is the highest you can go. Okay. Okay. Uh, once you get below 70, you're, okay. you're not very good. Tristan Wirfs started off as a 71. Which is pretty low, but it's a rookie. But for a rookie, rookie I would say that's out. probably pretty good. By the time the he was updated, he was an 88. Wow. So that's a 17-point increase. So they, That's got to be some sort of like EA rookie record. Okay, now, again, plead ignorance here. Do they update him every week, or does it just happen once a year? How does that? You know, even I, I don't know that. My guess is they probably update him about every week. That'd be that's pretty cool actually. Yeah, I gotta admit. Yeah, I mean it's all you know. You get all the updates online now and stuff hmm. like that. So, anyways, um, so Tristan Wirfs was big. Antoine Winfield Jr. shockingly looked a lot like Antoine Winfield Jr. Boy. the entire year. He really did. I mean, I had confidence in him um, because it's one of those guys that anybody outside the Big Ten footprint hardly ever heard of him. Now he's got a recognizable name because of his old man, but. Like, he is exactly what he was supposed to be. Why don't more teams pick dudes just like that in the first round? You know, and and I don't or know. I don't hour. remember what he did at the Combine. Do you happen to, like, just I general? Don't, I, I don't, couldn't remember. Yeah. I'm guessing he probably doesn't. He wasn't, like, one of the top performers. But, my God, the guy just makes plays. <laughs> he's always around the ball. 
I mean, he's, he looks he's incredible. Exactly like he did at Minnesota. And I, it's the exact same football player. I was texting someone during the game, and I said, "I want to see an Antoine Winfield play." And then, boom, he got that interception. And then he almost got another almost one. Almost got a second, and then that's a great lead-in. After that, that was the the game was decided at that point. And he got in Tyreek Hill's face and gave him the peace sign. It was like, I'm not adverse to smack talk and, you know, a little bit of showmanship. I think it gets overboard sometimes. That was fantastic. I loved it. Loved every second of it. It's it for especially for a Minnesota fan or a Tampa fan has to be one of the most satisfying 15 yard penalties that you could ever have. I bet you they they might pay the fine for him. The cheat, like I don't know how that's going to go down. Like I guarantee this, his defensive back coach is not going to get in his face oh, no. about it. Like that was phenomenal. And the background with that is that Tyree Kill, I don't know if it's every time he scores a touchdown, he's obviously a fast dude. So whenever he's leaving somebody in the dust, he gives them the peace sign in their face to kind of right. make fun of him. He gave it to yes, uh, uh, Antoine, Antoine Winfield. Winfield Jr. back in like week twelve or thirteen, whatever it was, when the yeah. Chiefs boat race Tampa Bay by the way earlier in the year you do that to somebody that's a competitor like Antoine they're never gonna forget forget that never gonna forget forget that so it was great right in his face too and just the way he did it (laughs) it's great I loved it all right and then last but not least Tom Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl title I mean, I should have done a better job of writing the stats down, but like some of the fun ones that have been tossed around on Twitter, texted with, you know, between me and my friends, probably yours too. I mean, he's won three Super Bowls past the age of 37. That's, that's incredible. I mean, see, I'd like to know how many other quarterbacks have won one past 37. I, I probably zero. It might be zero. It's probably another thing that was thrown around Twitter that, Somebody knows, listen to this podcast even, but there's not a lot of quarterbacks that pay past 35, let alone 37. Yeah. I mean, Tom or uh, Peyton Manning, one of the all-time greatest quarterbacks. Peyton Manning won one after 37. Did he? Okay. Yes, well, with the Broncos. Funny. All right. Was yeah. he past 37? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. Yeah, he had to be. With that being said, Peyton Manning was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The ceremony was... I believe at the Super Bowl, right? Or was it like the week before? And that's he, that's com- like Tom Brady, you know, he's he still won Super Bowls and kept going at then they were almost the same age. Yeah, they were. Like that's incredible that he would keep playing when three more Super Bowls was playing in a Super Bowl 5 years after Peyton Manning retired as a Hall of Famer. It's incredible. It is incredible. And he honestly doesn't look like he's lost that much at his current age. And I and I feel like the Tom Brady haters, which I 100% was one of them at one point. I was never a hater. Like, I, I kind of understood that you, oh, I'm just tired of him winning. I get that part of it, but I, I was never a hater. I was definitely a hater. Um, being a Giants fan, that adds to it because there was always a Giants-Patriots, yeah. you know, type of, of deal. And by the way. Those were two miracle wins by the Giants. Could you imagine if he had two more on his resume? That's or even, a good point. Even just one more. Just one more to make it eight. Yeah. Because um, another thing, the only thing that's more impressive or as impressive maybe as his Super Bowl appearances is, is championship game appearances. I mean, it's just incredible. He goes to the his conference championship. Um, and then to add in the fact that his f- first year at Tampa Bay, he pulls this off. See, that's the thing. Is I mean, you want to talk about a video game. This is the stuff you do in a video game where you just, you're a Tampa Bay fan. You're like, I'm going to go out and get Tom Brady. Yep. And then get a number one draft pick. That's going to be awesome. And then you go win the Super Bowl. And as you're winning the Super Bowl, you're like, well, this, this is kind of bad. I should probably put the settings up higher. So it's tougher. Sure. Cause you can't do this in real life. They just did this. In real I know. Life. So, you know, the big question was, well, is it Brady? Is it Belichick? It's probably both. But then I'll admit, when he went to Tampa, I'm like, oh, this is not going to go well, I don't think. I he, thought it would be a situation where they would be better. Yes, for sure. I, I'm just like, what are the chances that they're going to win? I, I was like, Super no Bowl. way. And it, So so the the question about him or Belichick, he leaves, and it doesn't take him two or three years to win it. In his first freaking year, 
he they I mean literally it's it's like Northwestern kind of they were missing a quarterback. Well, Northwestern was probably missing more than that. But I mean it wasn't a very good team, right? You throw in one good player, boom, Super Bowl. I mean it's I don't want to say it's just that simple, but it's just that simple in this instance. In this case, it was. And then all of a sudden, you realize, oh, my God, that's a really good defense that Tampa Bay has. Well, yeah, their their defense really stepped up. But I mean, all just... those, almost all the players that we're talking about, you know, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, and Dominican Sue. I mean, Antoine Winfield Jr. is new. Sure. Th- those are guys that have been I know. on the roster, a I chunk know. of them. Then you go to the offense, almost all of those guys I have know. been on the roster. It's, it's mostly like, just Tom like Brady. It was Tom Brady. And two amazing draft picks with Wirfs and Antoine Winfield Jr. Those two guys made a big difference. I mean, Wirfs shored up the offensive line, yep. and, and Winfield did the same with the secondary. Two two Big Ten people. Um, I, I mean, it's incredible. It's just they did it. He he's the he was already the goat. Now he's the goat of goats. Because and that is the the deal was where I don't think it was even up for debate that he was the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. I don't think it's even up to debate he's the greatest football player of all time. I don't think so. Now he's in the goat versus goat. Yes. And I think you could make a very plausible argument. He's the goat of the goats, as you just uh, yeah. said. Yeah, him, Jordan, Gretzky, you name LeBron it. LeBron James, if you want to throw him in there. Like Serena Williams, but then you're getting into individual sports. You know, Jack yeah. Nicholas and, and Tiger Woods. Like, I kind of feel like team sports and individual sports. They should be separated a little bit. Because – you have so many more chances to win a major as a golfer or a a, uh, a tennis player, whereas in you know baseball, basketball, you get when, one chance a year. When so. you don't have to rely on other people either. Yeah. When you're playing an individual sport, it's yeah. just you. You don't have to rely on your left tackle missing a block and getting sacked. Yeah. Like and, he has to elevate everybody around him. That's the most amazing part of it. And he obviously does that. And we were texting with you know a couple buddies today. You could see the younger players on this team. They look at him in clips and things that you sure. see in godlike status. Yes. You can see it. Yeah. They're, they're, and then, I mean, you think about it. Tristan Wirfs was born the year he got drafted. Unreal. Or the year he finished at Michigan, to be specific. Okay. So Wirfs, I just looked it up because I was curious. So Tristan Wirfs was born in 1999 to make you feel old. Tom Brady finished up his career in Michigan in 1999 and got drafted in the spring of 2000. So Tristan Wirfs has never known, you know, he's never consciously known no. a, a football world that didn't have Tom Brady, you know, dominating it. And Just now he's playing. Think about how, weird, how weird that would be. <laughs> to be weird. And then. So I guess like him and Antoine Winfield and you name it, they must just like have this desire to like, you know, got to do well because I know Tom's watching. I've got to do well. He's the best of all time. He's He was my idol growing up. I mean, right? Yes. You're putting forth Nailed more it. effort than you would otherwise. That's what happened, right? Yeah. It's it's He he made that big of a difference. It's amazing. Um, and then what's amazing on top of that? Seeing drunk, happy Tom Brady. Oh, that was so great. <laughs> if, folks, if you haven't seen it, which I think probably most of our type of listeners have. And I hope Brady didn't wake up and say, oh, what did I do? Because it was just so fun. I think everybody enjoyed it, right? And do it. The the bastard's good at Twitter, too. Because once he, he can tell good. it yeah. went viral, he, he like purposely misspelled tequila and oh he did, did i didn't see, see did no i didn't see, that, see that i didn't see that i need him tossing the lombardi oh it was fantastic to another and he's just obviously <laughs> drunk like visibly intoxicated with the 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 drunk smile on his face the big drunk smile someone you know helping him walk it was great good time loved watching it all right that brings us into the team grade part of the podcast uh, continuing on with the champions theme, this will be the Northwestern Wildcats and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Just in case you didn't listen to the last podcast, possibly because you didn't care about any of the three teams <laughs> that we went over, we'll give you the brief outline of what we're going to do for each team, which is we're going to start out with going through pretty much each game of the schedule for the team. Then we're going to give you what we think is the biggest moment for that team. We're going to give you an offensive MVP, a defensive MVP, a special MVP, which could be a specialist or just a special person that we want to notice, and then we'll give you a team grade. Sound good? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right, so first up, the Northwestern Wildcats. Of course, the Big Ten West champions. They finished the year 7-2. and two. So let's take it all the way back, right? Middle of the fall, middle of October. Two geniuses 
that record a podcast that do nothing but look at every Big Ten team with a microscope as yeah, much as possible. I'm told they watch every single game. I'm told they do in-depth research preseason about every team. They want to know the ins and outs of the roster. They want to know things that are going on off the field in the locker room. Who's getting along? Who's not getting along? These guys are never wrong. And we both picked Northwestern last in the Big Ten West. I did. Shame on me. Now, or so did I. Now, with that being said, we weren't alone in this situation. Hey, we we had a reason to pick them last. They were putrid the year before. Correct. 2019, it was, and I've said this before, it's not just me being an Illinois fan piling Northwestern. It was hard watching Northwestern. They were in they were historically bad on offense in 2019. It was, and yeah, they're always going to be good on defense, but their offense was painful to watch. With that being said, there were two, you know, warning signs. And again, we're this is an Illinois and an Iowa fan talking about Northwestern. Uh, we hope Northwestern fans get a kick out of it because we we obviously have to talk well about your football program often because you do a lot of good things. They should get a kick out of this because I mean it just infuriates me. <laughs> You even more than me, and I get pretty infuriated too. Uh, but there were two warning signs that were sitting there right for us, and we missed them. Which is they they made a substantial upgrade at quarterback. I mean, that was their biggest problem. Was of course, Peyton but it Manning. wasn't. Uh, just go it, go on. It wasn't it was their there. only problem, but that was their biggest problem. Understood. The other side of it is the goofy pandemic situation was probably mostly catered towards football programs that were already established and can just think their way through it. It was it was something that was available there for Northwestern that we we glossed over. That's just my Can I defend us though? Okay. New offensive coordinator on a bad offense that doesn't have the same amount of time in person to prepare for the season. I mean to me that was a huge red flag. Good point. I did I do think that's what that was one of the things we laid out, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah no, that's a good point. With that being said, the, what we're trying to set here is, hey, folks, do you remember in the middle of October when almost none of us thought that Northwestern was going to be good? So then the first week of the year, they boat race Maryland, 43 to 3. Now, we also thought Maryland was going to be absolutely awful. I thought they so were going to be the worst team in the Big Ten. It was an eye raiser, but yet we mostly thought – that's just Maryland being awful. I was impressed that they could put up 43 points, but yes, I just figured it's more Maryland than Northwestern. Next week, beat Iowa 21 to 20. Spot Iowa 17 points on the road and then just put the clamps down on the Iowa offense after that. Everything that they needed to do, they did from that point out, and they win the game 21 to 20. I remember being happy when it was 17. Oh, yes. All right. Be right about Northwestern, but then I was like, oh, "It's only it's really early. I don't know. I, yeah. it's, uh, I can't I mean, start the, cheering yet." The and at this point, Wisconsin was also two and zero. Okay, they had destroyed Illinois and Michigan the first two weeks of the year. At this point, we are talking uh, October thirty first, Halloween weekend. Everybody on the planet still has Wisconsin sure. in the Big Ten. West. Yes, for sure. Okay, then they beat Nebraska. 21 to 13. Was it a beautiful win? Absolutely not. It looks a lot like any of the other times Northwestern beat somebody in the division, and it's actually looked a lot like Nebraska uh, Northwestern games in the past. Then they win another next week at Purdue, 27 to 20. And if you remember, Purdue was riding pretty high at this point. Correct. And people were starting to look, in a, look at them as a possible contender in the West. And they win that game. Now, all of a sudden, it's 4-0, and we are adjusting to a new world that we're in, which is we're not playing as many conference games. And you realize with uh, Northwestern being at 4-0, Iowa was 2-2 at that point. I think Purdue was 2-2. Wisconsin had suffered a loss at that point. You suddenly started doing the math, and you're like, here we go. Sweet baby Jesus. Northwestern is... Probably going to win the Big Ten West. And if they beat Wisconsin, they're almost for sure going to win the Big Ten West. Well, guess what? Next week, 17-7, they beat North uh, Wisconsin. And just like that, the Wildcats are 5-0. and And, you know, typical Northwestern where, yeah, they blew out Maryland. But look at these wins, 21-20, 21-13, 27-20, 17-7. They just, 
they just win football games. They never do it decisively enough where everyone where you're scared of them. That's where you kind of fall asleep. Correct. Right now, Chappie is nodding his head and laughing, maybe driving down the road. Somewhere. Oh no, he's sitting at home. He's he just he's pouring a bourbon right now. <laughs> so yeah, everything's going great in Evanston, and then a, then a clunker. Then we uh, lose to Michigan State, twenty nine to twenty. I think it's the second most surprising score of the Big Ten season because I would still give Michigan State beating Michigan as the other one. You think that's the biggest one? I think those are the two biggest ones that involve Michigan, and they involve Michigan State. Most su- sorry, I I I classified that wrong. The most surprising scores of the football season, Big Ten football season. I've got another one okay. for you. Do okay, uh, Maryland Penn State. That's a big one. I would put it a step below. I would. Oh, okay. But anyways, then Minnesota it gets rounded up, so we skip that game. And I believe at that time, there because of them not playing that game and a different some other game that went wrong, they clinched the Big Ten West in that off week. If you can remember. Yeah, I think that's right. Yep. Next week they play Illinois. We kind of wonder. Well, the last time uh, we saw Northwestern, they they it was a clunker. It's a week off. Illinois was playing a little bit better. Yeah. Hey, maybe Illinois could make this a game. They didn't. They got beat pretty handedly. You're kind of biting your words now because after you said, you know, they just don't ever blow anybody out. Well, they beat Illinois by 18 points. Yeah, 28-10. But still, like, <laughs> not, I mean, where's like, the where's the 52 to 10? Where's the 52 to 7? 43 to 3 to start the season, but and then uh December 19th, which of course is the Big Ten championship, they play Ohio State lose 22 to 10 and by gosh you thought the sky was falling for anybody outside of Evanston and the horseshoe because how dare Ohio or uh, Ohio State only beat Northwestern 22 to 10 but there was a couple more games that you know happened after that that now you look back and there is absolutely no question that the reason Northwestern hung with Ohio State is because Northwestern was freaking good well, they're freaking good. They're especially freaking good on defense, and they especially come in with a great game plan all the time. Defensive scheme is amazing. Yes, I, and it may be the best defensive scheme in 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 the Big Ten. And it didn't hurt that Chris Olave was out of that game. You know that definitely sure. played into it. Uh, so then, uh, runner up in the Big Ten. Then they go play uh, in a, a January first bowl game, the VRBO Citrus Bowl, and they they toyed with Auburn to yeah, a certain degree. I mean, 35 to 19, there was no point in that game that I didn't think Northwestern was the better football. No. Game. And in fact, you look back at that game and you wish that Northwestern would have gotten a better matchup because I just, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like it's just, they were so much better than Auburn. I, I I'd rather Dude, that is, have a better that's hilarious, but you're, you're right. Yes. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but it's a good point. All right. So that finishes the year off at seven and two. I mean, I got to think, looking back over the last 10 years or so, that's one of the more enjoyable seasons out of any <laughs> Northwestern football fan. I mean, I would think so. Obviously, 2018 was great, and obviously they've had some other ones. But coming off the year, they came off with nobody giving them a chance. Nobody. And proving everybody wrong, as they have done so many times. And just, you know, they they put that spell on you. They make you fall asleep. And then when you wake up, they're champions again. There they are. So biggest moment of the year. This is actually kind of tough to pull out, but a I, little I bit. got what I want, but you, I'm curious to see what you say. Well, I got a couple. I guess I'm just going with the first half of the championship game. They're winning at halftime. 10 to 9, I believe, was the score. Does that sound right? Or 10 to 7 at halftime. When everyone, everyone was saying they're going to get blown off the field, and I predicted Northwestern to win. I did. That's right. And, and I got a lot You're of looking like a genius. I a got a lot there. of crap for that. And they're yep. winning at halftime and they were the better team, frankly, in that first half. So they proved to the world that they belong in that game. Yes. North, Ohio State pulled away in the second half, but they proved they belong there. That's interesting. Against um, the second best team in the year. Yeah. Or, or the, the season. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, for me, I, I thought the biggest moment was beating Wisconsin. I mean, you, you got to five and oh, you were basically a 95% lock to win the division. Even if you like theoretically lost the rest of the games that year, you, you had already cinched up a winning record and 
a good year at that point. Sure. So for me, I feel like it was beating Wisconsin. Offensive MVP. Okay, I'm going with the hometown boy here. Do you know this guy's from Minnesota? Ramad Chakio Bowman? Okay. From from Breck Academy. Breck. Did, Golden Valley, Minnesota. Ramad Chakio Bowman. Yes, very I know. Very close to where we're recording this podcast. Very close. I, yeah, in fact, the, the campus is probably about a mile from here. <laughs> it's very close. Yeah. Um, but so most people are going to say Peyton Ramsey. But I feel like their receiving core was so bad the previous year, too, that if you just brought in Peyton Ramsey with no true receiving threat, I'm not sure it would have made that much a difference. This guy made a huge difference. I think it was he was underrated this year. He was a big-time receiver this year. 41 catches, 508 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, that's that's kind of in only how many games they play? Nine ga- Well, yeah, nine games, so nine games. That's pretty big production, especially for a Northwestern wide receiver. You don't see that very often. That is uh, a fantastic point. You almost talked me into it, but I'm still going with quarterback Peyton Ramsey. Uh, we just waxed poetic uh, about Tom Brady and how, wow, a quarterback coming in really can make that big a difference. Dude, they don't win the Big Ten West this year without Peyton Ramsey. Like A lot of my MVP votes are how much different would this team look if you took, you know, player X out? I I think I think the quarterback play would not have been much better than it looked in 2009. Now, it would have been better, but not that much better to win the division. I mean, his his numbers aren't eye-popping. 1700, roughly 1700 yards passing, 12 and 8 for touchdowns. But it was timely third down conversions, touchdowns like he made a huge difference. And my guess is not to the same degree, but his moxie that he brought to the position and to the team made a big difference as well. So defensive MVP. All right. I, I, if I could, if I could just start it off here and I don't mean to like take any of your, uh, you know, juice. Cause I sure. bet you got something good here, but you know, I could go with linebacker Blake Gallagher, 86 tackles, one pick. I could go with linebacker Patty Fisher, 84 tackles, one pick. I could go with linebacker, Chris Bergen, 78 tackles and one. And one pick. By the way, if you look over the leading tacklers for any given team in the Big Ten, Mm -hmm. to get any tackler even up into the 50s and 60s, they were probably leading their team in tackles. Three dudes, almost, I mean, two tackles short of having three guys at 80 tackles. My whole point is here, I don't give a shit who you pick out of these three, but that would be who I would pick as defensive MVP. Yeah, you kind of stole my thunder a little okay. bit. I mean, I thought there's a lot of guys had great years. Andrew Liotta, Ernest Brown, Brandon Joseph, the freshman. Oh, my God, he was incredible this year. A.J. Hampton had a great year. Greg Newsom leaving early, go to the pros as cornerback, was was lights out. But, yeah, I, I have LBU, Linebacker University. That's who okay. gets you the, get all the three. Def- yeah, we, I'm we giving it the same thing. We did the same thing. I, my thought process was if you picked Blake Gallagher, I was going to take Patty Fisher. If you took Patty Fisher, I was going to take Blake Gallagher. I, I, that's no, you know, slight to uh, Chris Bergen, but like I do feel like those two are maybe a step up. Um, I think uh, uh, Blake Gallagher has the little bit more brighter future at the next level. Would yeah, be my guess. That's probably fair. But and we I, should but probably, Patty Fisher will probably take over Northwestern coaching them in 15 years after. He will. Yeah, he's going to replace Fitz for yeah, sure. Yeah. And we should probably give a little slice to Mike Hankwitz, the defensive coordinator. Yes, yeah. Thank you for doing that. Special MVP. Got his big 400. I don't think we mentioned that yes. after the bowl game, did okay. we? Yeah, 400th win on his way out the door. 400 wins in his career. Insane. Astounding. Insane. Special MVP. You know what? I'll start. Yeah, go for it. Because I have wide receiver Ramon Chikeo Bowman. Okay. That was my special guy. You already you know, killed it uh, listing why. So I have nothing to add, but that's mine. Okay. Well, it's interesting that you do that because I'm going with a guy who didn't have stats that jumped out at you, but it was the intangibles, baby. Peyton Ramsey's my <laughs> special <laughs> guy. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. We flip flop. All right. So team grade, Mirio. I will go first. Okay. I'm going to give him a solid A because they overachieved, I think, most everybody's expectations. They win the West. They prove they belonged in the championship game. I mean, I'll be honest. You're just not probably going to win that game against Ohio State very often. They're just on a different level athletically. How much more can you accomplish in a season? 
A little bit more. Okay, so one thing I've learned with giving out these team grades is there's some pride attached to them for the fan base, okay? Uh, by the way, any one of these team grades, like, dislike, we love to hear from you yes, on, on Twitter. Light us up like a Christmas tree or pat us on the back. Either way, it's fun. Um, if you give too high of a grade for a team that didn't reach the heights that they could, yeah. sometimes fan base take it as a slight, like, oh, you just think that's the best we could ever be? Come at me, bro. So I'm not giving them an A or an A+, plus okay. because they could have been better. They could have been a little bit better this year. They could have beaten well, Michigan State to finish the year at eight and one. Okay, but so that could get them to an A level, and an yeah. A plus level would be winning the Big Ten. See, to me, beating Michigan State is irrelevant because they still won the West. I understand that, but it it was one low spot in the year. I could could have Northwestern been just a little bit better this year. Yes, they could have. So to me, that's an A minus. Now it's like. A high A minus, okay. That would be like a ninety three percent A minus, but very close to an A. But I'm gonna give an A minus. Mine's like a ninety four point five. Okay. Solid A. Solid A. Yeah. Okay. But of course, great year by Northwestern. Great year. Congrats to them. And I wanted to mention one thing that I've been forgetting to mention. Uh, our, our buddy, you mentioned Chappie Tim Chapman, just wrote a book. Okay. Oh yeah. It's called yes. Champion Underdog. And it's about the 1995 Northwestern Rose Bowl season, Big Ten championship season. The most, uh, I mean, like this, Incredible. the most unlikely of nobody saw that coming. It was out of nowhere. He just wrote this book, just finished it. I've got it. It's sitting on my nightstand, but I'm real deep into this World War II book, and I'm trying to get through it. I'm going to get to it, Chappie, I promise, but I just wanted to throw it out there for everybody, all you awesome. Northwestern Great fans, yes, or, just, or just Big Ten fans in general. I mean, look at me. I'm an Illinois fan. I'm about to read this book about the season that tortured me when I was in college. Yes. I was there. Yes. I saw. I was at the games, and I'm going to read it, and awesome. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, probably another thing worth mentioning is I don't think we've done it, had done it before. Obviously, uh, one of the biggest uh, reasons that the 1995 f uh, football team had success was Pat Fitzgerald, obviously the coach of the football team. He just got re-signed by Northwestern for 10 years. He is going to do exactly what he's been doing to Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, Nebraska fans, Purdue for the next decade. Let's see. He's probably – he's about my age I'm 46, so he's got he'll be there for another 20 years. I mean, it's very doable. No, he's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. The only thing I don't know about that contract is what the buyout is. The buyout is always you know a little caveat of any contract because you're if it's a low buyout, you're kind of leaving it open that you could go if you wanted to. But anyways, it just yeah. doesn't seem like he I don't think to he's go. gonna go. And I think in this day and age, you just make so much damn money as a head coach. I just don't see guys coaching in their 70s and because just there's no need to. There's just no need to. Why yeah. would you? It doesn't Unless, make any sense. Well, there's actually one thing I can think of. If you stop coaching, you're consistently at home with your wife, and you just might think, I'll just keep coaching. Okay, great. He's going to coach till he dies. Thanks. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mrs. Fitzgerald. Never met you. I'm you're sure you're a lovely a great, lady. You're probably a great woman. All right. That brings us to the Ohio State Buckeyes. All right. So coming into the year, Ohio State had – I thought Ohio State – even though they lost the first round of the college football playoff in 2019, I still considered them one of, and I'll say it, if not the best Big Ten team I have seen since I have been alive, since mm -hmm. I've been watching Big Ten football. I know they lost in the first round, but they were they were way out ahead of Clemson. Things fall apart. It was the most bitter pill that – most Ohio State fans have ever had to swallow, I believe. To me, it is the best Big Ten team I think I ever saw. Yeah. In in my life. Like, you know, 1980s till, till now. And what's I, crazy is the 2002 and 2014 team won national titles. Right. I still think maybe that team was better. I think it was better. I do. <laughs> so, this team is angry. They're, they're ornery. They want to play football. Obviously, this is one of the football programs that fought as hard as possible. And I'm going to say, I know this will be controversial, I think they had the most reason or the uh, biggest effect on the Big Ten leadership to get the season played. Yeah, they did. I'm sorry, they just they swing a bigger 
axe than they do. anybody else. They do. No disrespect to Nebraska or, or Iowa for that matter. Those were the three big ones. Penn State was another yep. big one. But yes, I mean, they had the most to lose by not playing. They have the most cachet. Yes, they had the most effect on it. So Gene Smith, you know, not only is he a tenured AD, he's a successful AD. He brings respect to the room. I think he was a big part of that. So then finally, the Big Ten gets their poop in a group and a schedule comes out. We're going to play football and Ohio State fans are happy. I think to a certain degree, um, because Justin Fields came back, a lot of the other players are in position. It's possible that we set the bar extremely high, maybe too high for Ohio State before the season started. Is that somewhat? Yeah. You kind of know what I'm saying there? Yeah, I mean, you you're you always – the bar is always going to be national championship, at least right now. The way that they're playing football right now, the way that we're recruiting, yes, it's always going to be national championship or not a successful season. And But, again, because of the – team that we saw them in 2019 i think maybe the bar was just even a little bit higher probably i, I don't know so what are they, how do they start out the year 52 to 17 over nebraska um s- such a the expectations are so high that nebraska got beat 52 to 17 and walked away encouraged on how the football contest and went. everyone also said well i don't know ohio state maybe they're not as good as we thought they only won 52 to 17. 17. Next week, Penn State. Uh, Penn State still ranked at this point. They were coming off the gut-wrenching loss to uh, Indiana. They beat them 38 to 25. If you can remember, that was a 38 to 25 with a big Penn State comeback in the second right. half. They had jumped way out in front of Penn mm-hmm. State. Again, I don't think there was any real uh, – uh, uh, confusion on who the better football team and pretty much destroyed Penn State's season at that point second yeah. game in yeah next game up 49 to 27 versus Rutgers again they were way out in front of Rutgers in this game the fighting Shanos just kept chopping and just would I mean it was trick plays it was like yeah on, it was I think they unsighted so I, I think they, they, did. they did like Shiano was sending a message in that game that I don't even care if it's Ohio State. We're going to keep fighting. That was why they got 27 points on the Yeah, board. but still, if you look back at, at all three of these games, it's not we're, – we're we're starting to think, okay, this is not 2019. This is not the same team. I mean, they, the 2019 team wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have given up 27 to Rutgers. The but, offense was mostly exactly what we yes. thought it would be. The defense, I think we had enough proof at this point – it was leaking a little bit more oil For than sure. what it did the previous year. Next week, they are supposed to play at Maryland. Maryland cannot play in this football game, so they sit at 3-0. and Then we get the showdown versus Indiana. This wound up being one of the most talked about college football games of the year. Really I think did. it's fair to say. So Ohio State wins it 42-35. to Again, kind of a theme that we're talking about. They were up huge. In this game. 35 to 7. Yeah. I mean, it was shut your TV off and find another game to watch at this point. I was just wondering, you know, could they get to 50? Was my, was my, yeah, was my, that was, all about I was it. Can, can they hit 50? Can they yep. hit 55? How much are they going to blow out Indiana by? And then whoops a daisy. Yep. So then the Hoosiers come back and I mean, they're tossing the ball all over the field, a little bit of, uh, you know, desperation. Tecmo Super Bowl to reference another video game, just kind of chucking it up, but they, but they were connecting on these plays and they got back in the game. So Ohio State is still ranked high. Um, nobody nobody's like saying that they sh- shouldn't be ranked in the top two or three. Like every you know like, but they're starting to get picked on pretty big. Oh yeah, by the national media at this point. Oh, I think they deserved it at that point. I never thought it was as deserved as how okay. much it was. That's that's my take. And I thought it was so deserved that I put a lot of money on a next game. Okay, so then uh, um, Ohio State's 4-0. Now we got more problems coming in here because the next week, Ohio State can't play Illinois, as you joked on the previous podcast. I mean, obviously they, they skipped what? Illinois. They didn't, want any, they didn't want any part of that business. So now Ohio State is very – they're they're on the line now of being able to be eligible for their own conference championship right. because of the lack of the games. They are right at the limit at this point. 
Michigan State steps up to the uh, um, to the podium and takes their shot. They get beat fifty-two to twelve. No, no doubt in that game. And then next week, supposed to play Michigan, the most historic game, possibly definitely in all of the Big Ten, maybe all of college football and sports in general. And Michigan does not want to play that. And you know. I don't think we ever looked back to see the last time that they hadn't played in a season, had we? Yeah, we probably should have done that. We should have done that. I mean, they've been... It was a long bleep in time ago. That's the last time. I think Ohio State joined in 1912, so I'm guessing before that. Probably. Yeah. And listen, I'm not saying that Michigan didn't have issues, like actual issues, but it is my personal belief that, you know... If the fate of the world depended on that game being played, they could have played a football contest. Well, and if you look at a lot of other teams that actually did play games when they were down a bunch of players, and I would point out one was Minnesota, but there was others. Illinois was another one. Um, gosh, I, I think I'm missing some. But there was there's a lot of teams that played really shorthanded, and they said, hey, we got a football contest. Tell us where to be. Tell us when to be there. Michigan not did case. not do that. Not in this case. Uh, so that, and it's, so what's crazy about that is now when I look back, they did an on and off for six weeks in a row on versus Rutgers off Maryland on versus Indiana off Illinois on versus Michigan state off Michigan on versus Northwestern. Wow. That's weird that there is a, there's an internal clock, you know, timing. There's a sink. There's a, to a season. You're forgetting one. Then they're off before they play Clemson. Correct. It's weird. Crazy. And, and. So I and then to a certain degree they're kind of off before they played Alabama too. We'll yeah, that's but true. I mean, week and I, a half. So you know, and then at this point Ohio State is just getting dragged because they they're only six and zero at this point after playing Northwestern. They were quote unquote getting allowed into the college football playoff in sure. the eyes of many. I'm still going to go back and say one game was their fault. They didn't play the Illinois game, and yeah. I, you could tell they did everything they tried. To possibly, I mean, that, that was, game. they didn't can't because remember they didn't cancel till Saturday morning. Correct. Yeah, like, they were doing like so. They on Friday they changed their flight to Saturday morning, the morning of the game, and they literally like I know where the airport is from the stadium. I didn't know how it was going to work, how they were actually going to make that there. itinerary work and still warm up properly for a game, and they're they still tried to do it and didn't work out. But yeah, point I'm trying to make a lot is, of flack from Little Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, point I'm trying to make is it mostly was not Ohio State's fault that they couldn't play football. No, of course. It was was restrictions put on in front of them and the ridiculousness that Kevin Warren and the brain trust, you know, tried to like it. Do you honestly think they didn't want the 10 game schedule instead of the eight? And here's another thing I'd like to point out. Maybe I already did this on a previous podcast. I can't remember. Has, has, the recent history of Ohio State versus the rest of the Big Ten warrant them being scared to play more Big Ten teams. No. <laughs> if I could have played ten Big Ten teams, I think they would have finished ten and all. Yes. I'm sorry, but that's that's just my personal belief. So they finished the se- uh, the regular season six and zero with a Big Ten championship win over Northwestern. We already kind of talked about that previously. Uh, uh, Chris Olave being out of the game was a big deal, but they still had enough offense and quite frankly, enough defense to win this game. Then we go into the college football playoff semifinal, which was technically the sugar bowl on January 1st. And they boat race Clemson. They were the better team. And there was no doubt about it. It was for me personally, I loved watching the Illinois Nebraska game this year. Other than that, the most, satisfying Big Ten game I watched this year. Absolutely. No doubt. I mean, taking away Iowa out of the equation for me, this was hands down. Like, I I watched it with a fellow podcast listener and buddy who's actually a Gopher fan. There was no doubt between me and him. We were cheering for Ohio State. We uh, financially were invested into Mm. Ohio State, which makes things even more fun. That was a fun game to watch. Um, Justin Fields was insane. In that game, um, if you didn't come away, this is his best game, game, I think, of his career. Of his career, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. Um, okay, really weird side note, but there was somebody on Twitter that had a mashup of like the top twelve NFL prospect quarterbacks 
longest touchdown throw of their career. Okay. And what was crazy is like they were all right around 55 yards. Really? Whatever number. Like the over under would have been 55. It was like 58 or 52. Hmm. Um, but most of their touchdown passes for it. So this is like the longest of their career was like, you know, Trevor Lawrence versus the Citadel or, sure. you know, uh, Zach Wilson versus, you know, whatever Mountain West team. The longest touchdown pass of Justin Fields' career was versus Clemson in this game. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm blanking on what that was. I think it was Chris Olave out of the back of the end zone in the third quarter. Okay. So how, how many yards? Do you remember? I think it was like 58 or something like that. Oh, it was right like, on. Right, like really close to that. 55. No kidding. Yeah, it's really. Point I'm trying to make is that's another thing to point at. What an crazy, in, insane game Justin Fields had. Showed his toughness in that game, get his ribs all crunched yeah. up, stayed in the game. Unfortunately, I think that played into, at least to a little degree, the next game. Justin Fields was not healthy versus, and of course we're talking about the college football national championship versus Alabama. It was on January 11th. They lose that game 52-24. to Don't get me wrong. Alabama was the best team in the country this year. There's not really much debate yeah. on that. I do kind of wonder what that game would look like with – a healthy uh, Justin Fields and a healthy Trace Herman throughout the whole game. Well, not that, the, just that the the two defensive linemen, Tyreek Smith and uh, Togiai, who could have played if not for you know restrictions. But in the end, an incredible year. Ohio State finishes the year seven and one, with their only loss being the most current greatest college football team of all time. Tongue in cheek when I say that, but okay. Biggest moment. I think this one's pretty pretty straightforward right you're going with clemson absolutely okay i'm going to be more specific okay it's it was my biggest moment was in the clemson game okay. that's this but is it was it is specifically the targeting call on linebacker james skowski <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> but honestly that's fa- because listen every fan base you know they're going to find enjoyment in things that are a little bit naughty to be enjoyed you're not going to put a vast ohio state fans to be like uh, that was an extra lo- layer of, ex- Absolutely. of enjoyment that I got. That out was of that. like the, the. It wasn't just the plunging of the. That was the twisting of the knife right there. The the, the revenge knife. <laughs> that's really good. I'm proud of you. The there. dagger. That's, that's fantastic. Listen, I'm going with Justin Fields for the offensive MVP again. Like sometimes you want to be, you know, you want to be uh, creative with these, but this gives me one last time to talk about Justin Fields and how fantastic he is. 2,100 yards, 22 and six plus 383 yards and five touchdowns. So, you know, 27 touchdowns, six picks. He's incredible. He's the greatest Ohio state quarterback of all time. And if you want to hear someone really wax poetic about Justin Fields and the season he had, listen to two podcasts back of ours. When we had Dustin shooty on, did a great job of breaking down how Justin Fields actually had a better year this year than he did last year. And he convinced me. He destroyed it. Yeah. He so it. obviously I'm going to agree with you, Justin Fields, but I just wanted to point out kind of special mention, honorable mention, Trey Sermon for his performance. I mean, okay. He was not heavily used. If you look at the first four games, 11 carries, 13 carries, 12 carries, nine carries, zero touchdowns on the season up to that point. And boy, then did things switch. 10 carries, 112 yards against Michigan State. 29 carries, 331 yards against Northwestern. Then 31 for 193. He had a three-game stretch that was like, I mean, I'm like, okay, this is it. Now Ohio State can do it. That was one of the ingredients they were missing. I mean, he was amazing. Sadly, gets injured after his, I think it was a second play in the Alabama game. Only one carry for two yards and then injured on that swing pass. But just honorable mention, just wanted to put it out there. What an amazing season. 7.5 yards per attempt on the season running the football. Great job, Trey Sermon. Nice work. Defensive MVP, a little tougher. This is tough because they they didn't have a great defense. They had a solid defense by the end of their statistically. It was more of a defense by committee, not a whole lot of standouts. I thought about Pete Werner. He did lead the team in tackles, but I really think when they started to hit their groove as a defense, Haskell Garrett was the reason. He, he Again, he doesn't jump out in terms of – Tackles or, uh, sacks sa- or whatever. yeah, tackles for loss four sacks two. He had that big SWAT interception. I think that was against Michigan State, but obviously in a game they're going to win anyway. But I just felt like he was the heart and soul of that defense by the end of the year. Great pick. Um, I almost 
along the same lines as the Northwestern linebackers. You could pick out a lot of guys along the defensive line. So you already gave one of my shout outs, another shout out to Tommy Togaye. I mean, when he was out, I think it was a big deal, but I went with defensive end, Jonathan Cooper. I I just felt like he looked like what he was supposed to be as a big time recruit. Um, Would have been interesting to see what that defensive line looked like if they had more time to develop in the spring and getting things going. But by the end of the year, the reason the Ohio State defense and, and really kind of, to a certain degree, the whole team looked better was, was because of the defensive line. So I think Jonathan Cooper is a good pick. Special MVP, this one I feel very strongly about. Okay. I have wide receiver Chris Olave. Okay. Because, he it, it again, I'm big into when you remove somebody from an offense or a defense, how much different, you know, I think they would call it war, right? Isn't that the uh, baseball sure, the war. terminology? Yeah, wins above replacement. Yep. Uh, Chris Olave, the offense looked different mm. when he was not in there. I just think, I mean, the stats were there. The big plays were there. He He's smooth. There's everything that you would expect out of the best wide receiver on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Chris Olave definitely has that. Then I had my special special mention was Tracer, but you already killed it okay. with that explanation. So okay, so I mine I wanted to go with Seven Banks just because of his name, and I'm sure hoping. Yep, and I'm hoping he's got a younger brother named Soda. That would really, really put it over the. <laughs> That's top. a deep Seinfeld cut for those that didn't get it. And this one is a selfish pick. I like your Olave pick. I did think about that one, but for me, it's Garrett Wilson because just personally, I just got so much enjoyment watching Justin Fields to Garrett Wilson over the past couple of years. That connection, I've said it before in the cast. I just every time I see it, I'm like, that guy could start in the NFL right now. That guy could start in the NFL right now. And they just do it with such professionalism. I just for some reason I love Garrett Wilson's style. So I went with Garrett Wilson. Can't really go wrong if you list off any Ohio State wide receiver to a certain degree. Team grade? I'm giving them, again, a solid A because they didn't get the job done. They didn't win the national championship, but they had a lot of hurdles along the way. They overcame a pretty suspect defense. They improved. They kind of you know, brought that one together. They had a lot of difficulties in the championship game with the injuries and the Rona stuff. So I, do, I really wish that I could have seen a healthy Ohio State play Alabama. I do still think Alabama was the better team, but it's hard. I can't give them an A+, plus, but i got to give them an A. Everything you just said, ditto. Um, I think Ohio State fans, I could even see them saying, well, maybe A-. minus. Yeah, I degree. think so. But, I mean, when you win the Big Ten, I think that gets you up to, you know, at least a B+. Plus. Uh, but probably an A minus. Yeah. Getting to the college football playoff, beating the brakes off Clemson is a big deal. I mean, Clemson is up and rolling, dude, and they have Trevor Lawrence. I mean, this yep. is one of the best quarterbacks in the last whatever twenty years of of uh, college football. So to beat Clemson like that in the first, like that, and that was a gigantic monkey off their back because Clemson had been a pretty gigantic thorn. So that for me is enough to get them to an A. You just can't give them the A plus nope. because they just they weren't able to win the national championship. All right, all right. So our our grades were pretty similar, very similar. Yeah. Well, well both had A's and you were. Well, you had a ninety three percent for Northwestern. I had ninety five point ninety four point five. So that's all pretty, pretty damn out. close. Yep. All right. Anything more? No, man. That's all I got. I'm Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big podcast. We will talk to you soon.